0: Hi friends, and welcome back to another episode of Next Level Leaders. I'm your host, Nicole Harrop, and it's my mission to help create more female leaders in the workplace. Today is going to blow your mind with a guest that I am bringing on. I have not done an episode on time management because, let's be honest, I'm not always the best at managing my own time. Sometimes I take on too much, and I love having extra things going on in all aspects of my life. I don't always do the best at managing my time. And in my conversation with Anna Dearman Cornick, I was taking so many notes on things that she was sharing that I know is going to help me be better with my own schedule and way of working. And if you haven't heard of a workday shutdown routine, you're in for a treat. We have Anna Dearman Cornick with us. Thank you for joining us, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, it is a delight. People don't know what they're in for just yet. I am so excited because Anna and I met through a podcast growth program, and it was around a similar time. I think, Anna, you were obviously farther, you know, you joined before I did, and it was really cool to see her growth and her success over the past almost two years, I think, since that happened. So I am honored to have you on the podcast today.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you again for having me. Yes, it really has been such an interesting and fun journey starting that podcast accelerator in July of 2020. And then here we are in fall of 2022. And so it's been really cool to welcome new members into the group and just to support others in their growth now.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I would love for you to share a little bit more about yourself. Obviously, you can share about what you do professionally, if you want to add and sprinkle in some personal life too. People love to hear about that as well.
1: Sure. So, I am a time management coach, which I, it's always funny to to share what I do. What I call myself as a time management coach with just about anybody because time management coach is not exactly one of those professions that you go to school on career day dressed as when you're in kindergarten. And <laughs> I know I didn't. I thought I wanted to be a doctor and then I wanted to be a uh, Lieutenant Governor of Louisiana and then, you know, and so it's definitely a, a bit of a non-traditional career path, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. So I'm a time management coach. I primarily work with owners and professionals who are just working their way either up the corporate ladder or growing their business, primarily women, because let's be honest, women have a much different challenge and perspective when it comes to managing their time because there is so much that falls on our shoulders in terms of the invisible load or the emotional load of caring for a home, even if you don't have children, there really is so much that falls on our shoulders. And I just saw a really big gap in terms of what was available for time management education. After experiencing burnout myself, I worked in crisis communications for about 10 years, managing every crisis under the sun from hurricanes to oil spills to droughts, floods, plant explosions, universities on the brink of financial collapse, nonprofit embezzlement schemes—that was a weird one. Uh, wow. I have actually, <laughs> I've actually escorted people down, you know, like a back freight elevator and into an alley in order to avoid TV cameras waiting outside. Wow. So that was, that was my life from day to day for about 10 years, managing just different types of crises, helping clients when they were in their darkest times, when their reputation was on the line, when their business was on the line. And I loved what I did. You know, there was this feeling that would come over me in a moment of crisis. That was just a complete and total calm where I was able to just snap into, okay, here's what we do next. This is what we'll do. This is what we'll say, and. As you can imagine, working in crisis communications for others who are in their darkest times, in their most stressful moments, can really begin to take its toll on you after a while, especially when you enjoy it so much that you allow it to creep into every other area of your life. Spoiler alert, so burned out, been there, done that, and walked away, walked away from it. And basically after, you know, missing... Baby showers for friends, missing my stepdad's 70th birthday party, missing really important family family events, missing, just really missing out, having no boundaries, m- my health not being in a good place, my relationships also being in shambles, to, yeah. to put it realistically, to put it just the way that it was. I knew that there had to be something better. There had to be a better way. There had to be more to life than stepping out of dinner to take phone calls And so that's when I walked away in search of something else. And that's when I began a whole lot of trial and error, reading every book under the sun, trying to fix whatever was wrong with me, and then arriving at the fact that it wasn't me, it was my systems. And so now I'm a time management coach. And I get to help others either dig themselves out of that place of burnout that I was in or help them avoid it altogether, which to me is even better. So I'm also the host of It's About Time, a podcast, sharing stories and strategies to inspire better work, life, and balance. And when I'm not coaching or podcasting, you can find me coloring on the floor with my three-year-old and my one-and-a-half-year-old baking cakes and just enjoying what limited fall weather we have here in Louisiana, where it is always hot.
0: Wow, that is amazing to hear your backstory and kind of where you hit this, almost like just a wall of realizing that wasn't the life that you wanted. I guess what led you into recognizing the importance of time management? Because there's a slew of things you probably maybe did go down some rabbit holes or maybe test and learn, but why time management specifically did you land on that really felt like your calling?
1: Yeah. So it really goes back to the dinner table in my childhood. So I grew up in a funeral home family. Okay. My stepdad and his family, my stepdad is a second generation, third generation funeral director. We grew up in a very small town and dinner conversation at our house. Probably didn't look like dinner conversation at most people's houses because our conversation would typically revolve around who in our community had recently passed, who lost a mother, who lost their uncle, a teenager who had tragically lost their life early. And the thing is, is that I grew up with this constant reminder that we're not promised tomorrow, that we can make all the plans that we want, and it could all be gone in the blink of an eye. And what, what I think I was so, you could say, ashamed of what once I had reached that level of burnout is that somehow along the way, I had lost sight of how precious life was and how we weren't promised tomorrow. We weren't promised tomorrow. And really hitting that point of there has to be a better way and remembering, oh, like this is not, work is not all there is. Running from deadline to deadline to crisis to crisis, this is not the way that I want to live my life if if I'm not promised tomorrow. And so that really led me down the path of understanding How can I manage my time better? Because that's what it all comes down to is Mm -hmm. how can we manage our time, not just be more productive and pump out press releases faster or organize our spice cabinet so that we're more efficient when we're cooking. But how can we, how can I begin to live a life that is built on purpose and not on productivity hacks?
0: Absolutely. I love that. I love when it's tied back to kind of like a core value thank you for sharing that so vulnerably with me and it makes sense why this is such a passion thing for you and especially for women in the workplace even if they aren't yet mothers like we were talking about if that is something that is you know an aspiration or a goal you know it just it's more things that are kind of added to your plate as I have found with two little ones as well in the corporate world are there any roles where time management doesn't exist? <laughs> Okay, short answer, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Every single solitary role has to have some element of time management involved. Even those roles like executive assistant that feel so responsive and reactive. You feel like your time is not your own because you are managing someone else's calendar. You are taking in information on behalf of someone else. You have to be ready for anything at a moment's notice. I know I've been there. My very first job out of college was as the scheduler to a United States congressman. So that meant that I was spending 10 to 12 hours a day parked in front of a calendar navigating one of the most hectic schedules in the country. Everything felt reactive. Everything. I could have created the most beautiful, well-designed week for my boss. And then the vote bells would ring. All hell would break loose. Right. And my the calendar and the day would just go up in smoke. And so, short answer, no. Even if you are in a very reactive role, time management is not just putting things on a calendar. Time management is not just time blocking or moving things around. In order to manage your time effectively, you also have to be a fantastic prioritizer. You have to be great at sifting through the noise to determine what you do first, regardless of the role that you're in. You have to learn how to manage all of the different inputs coming your way. A stat that I saw recently is that the average American knowledge worker, so that is across all levels of the the ladder, the average American knowledge worker, so anybody who works behind a laptop, um, it takes 90 minutes to process all of the new inputs that they receive each day. So that's emails, that's Slack messages, Teams messages, that's Memos, do people still do those in folders <laughs> on desk? I'm probably not, but that's every piece of communication that comes in. 90 minutes it takes just to process all of those new inputs. Right. That doesn't even count actually responding to them or following up on the report or updating this or moving this around. Every single time we schedule something on our calendars, it takes an average of 30 minutes to complete the administrative tasks associated with that meeting, from the scheduling back and forth to creating the agenda. Hopefully there's an agenda. Doing anything takes time. And if you aren't equipped with basic time management skills, you are liable to spend all day long in your email. And then when five o'clock rolls around, wonder,
0: wait, what did I do today? Right. Yeah. I think that's, something I feel, which is why I haven't done a time management episode. And I knew I had to have Anna come on the podcast because I feel like I need personal help. Same thing. I think, you know, how do I communicate that? And maybe this is a question we can talk on is as someone who is working in their role and kind of getting lost it not, not necessarily lost, but going through and having these times, like you're mentioning that extra time that it takes to process these things for women, especially how do you communicate? I guess what you're working on in a way for your leader to know that this, all this extra stuff that's taking into account as well, because leaders and bosses want to see that productivity and they want to see that. And I think that's what leads to so much burnout Mm -hmm. is that we aren't taking into consideration the things that are taking some of that time to get these things done. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly. You
0: You have to do the work before you do the work. That's the thing. Like
1: there's always some type of prep work involved before you can't just sit down to write a report. First you have to research, you have to outline. There are so many other parts of the process. You don't just show up at a meeting. You have to, you should be preparing for the meeting. You should be creating an agenda. So I've got two different methods that I would encourage you to use in order to communicate how you are spending your time with your boss without saying, hey boss, it took me 30 minutes to prepare for this meeting. And those two methods are, first of all, keeping a very well-maintained calendar. Now, I will be the first to say that your calendar is not the be-all, end-all of time management. Your calendar is not going to do the work for you. Your calendar can't prioritize. It is simply a place where you hold time for your work and capture dates, deadlines, and meetings. But if you have a meeting that you need to prepare for, put a time block on your calendar that says meeting preparation, report preparation, agenda creation. And what you're doing by by adding these preparation time blocks to your calendar, first, you are blocking off this time for yourself. You're setting an expectation with yourself that this is how I am going to use this time. And you're allocating part of your day to completing that task. And you are also, in, in time blocking these different preparation pieces during your day, you're able to create a much more realistic to-do list for your day. So often we have a to-do list with 37 things on it. Mm-hmm. We've got eight hours in a typical workday. If you think about the fact that it's going to take us around 90 minutes, whether we like it or not to process all of those inputs, hopefully you are stopping to eat lunch and go to the bathroom every once in a while. We typically also only have about two to five hours of focus in us each day before we are too fatigued to engage in that deep work. Um, We don't have room in our day for 37 different things on our to-do list. So by creating a time block that holds space for that prep work, you are being realistic with yourself. But if your boss has access to view your calendar, which in many corporate settings they do, your boss is able to take a glance at your calendar and see, oh, so she's got this space held for prepping for that meeting. That's very proactive. Good for her. It also keeps, in most cases, it also keeps others from scheduling over that time because they, they don't see the open space because you may have thought, oh, I'll just use this open space before the meeting to prep. No, no, no. In many environments, that open space is like a free pass for someone to schedule a meeting. It was certainly like that in my past corporate style positions. And so when you hold that space, you're protecting your calendar and you're also communicating to others that this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm spending my time. Okay, so that was the first thing that you can do. But the second thing is if you don't already have some type of a regular recurring meeting with your supervisor, a one-on-one, I would highly encourage you to be proactive and ask that of your boss. It doesn't have to be something that you do every week, but something that you do every other week in order to discuss, in order to make sure that your boss has visibility into what you are doing and how you're spending your time. And what this does is it creates a dedicated space for you to have specific conversations with your boss. And you may be thinking, but I can just send her a Slack message. I can just shoot an email. You could. Mm -hmm. And if it's urgent, you probably should. But if it's not, you're able to bank your questions, bank the updates that you would like to make, and have that that dialogue with your supervisor about what it is that your time is being used for, and to make sure that your prioritization aligns with your supervisor's understanding of what the priorities should be, and that they also align with the department and the organization as a whole. So, having a, a well kept calendar that clearly displays how you're spending your time and having that regular communication with your boss. Those are two keys to just communicating out how you're spending your
0: time. Absolutely, it's kind of blowing my mind to a degree because, and I'm sure those listening, Mm -hmm. when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about my own calendar and a lot of things I have on there are like my must have meetings. And sometimes I am not very good about planning that time to do the the pre-work yeah. and then at the end of a week I'm wondering why am I so exhausted and tired and it's because I'm keeping my calendar so open to be on so to say in those like live meetings or you know whatever uh, sessions that I have scheduled on my calendar and that's such a good point of the like proactive part versus reactive the reactive is, showing up to meetings that are scheduled on your calendar Mm -hmm. and being involved in a meeting. And then the proactive part, like you're saying, that I feel like is something I'm definitely missing a lot of the times is that planning part to make sure that you are showing up to whatever that meeting is or that agenda. I love how you put that. And it's helpful for women, even in these entry-level roles, maybe thinking, well, I show up to work and I answer phone calls and I answer emails. And then I'm think I talk to them and talk about how they want to grow in their career. And they're like, well, I'm not really doing anything. I'm just going with the flow. And I think what you're saying here as well is putting themselves on a calendar to prioritize their own personal professional development and making sure that they are having that time proactively with their leaders. Because It's surprising how many team leaders and managers aren't actually meeting in an ongoing basis because things may be so busy. So I love what you said there as well, to book those meetings and show that proactivity and that you have that desire to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Definitely
1: you know so often promotions or you could say like expansions of responsibility take place because your supervisor has secretly test driven he secret he or she has secretly decided to give you a project to see how you deal with it in order to you know see how you respond to test drive okay is she ready for this next level and so you ca- you can't wait Until someone hands you the opportunity, you have to show that you can manage a calendar yourself. You have to show that you have that, you know, they call it executive skills or those executive functions. You don't have to wait until you're an executive to begin demonstrating those. Because when you show that you can be responsible with your time, that you can show up prepared and organized in the entry-level role that you're in now, that's what paves the way for the next role and the role after that
0: absolutely such good stuff uh anna what do you wish you would have known if you could go back in that kind of entry level which i feel like you didn't even start entry level managing a calendar of (laughs) that size doesn't feel like entry level to me but what do you wish you would have known thinking back and you know before you kind of reach some of that burnout what would you wish you would have known Gosh, well, first of
1: all, the exact piece of advice that I just shared with you to be proactive about setting your calendar and communicating with others, sure wish I had known that when I was an entry level. I am fortunate that along the way, I had a few different bosses who required me to show up Mm. prepared and if i did not show up with everything that was needed it it was just it was not a good thing and so i i wish i wish i had known the importance of the proactive time blocking that i described but i'll tell you what i also if if i could go back and tell executive assistant anna about a workday shutdown routine that is exactly the, the wisdom that I would impart, would be a workday shutdown routine. Now, what's a workday shutdown routine? Yes, Tuta. <laughs> <laughs> so a workday shutdown routine is a short and simple series of steps that you perform at the end of each day that help you mentally shut down before you, before you leave the office, before you move into your personal life. There is this... Thing called the Zagarnik effect. Mm -hmm. And it basically is the idea that our brains have a preference for things that are unfinished. I mean, how many times have you laid in bed at night thinking about the things that you need to add to your Amazon list and the stuff that you need to do for work tomorrow? And you just endlessly cycle through every single thing in your life that's unfinished, right? Absolutely. Yes. So because that's a thing, because we know that the Zagarnik effect is real we can trick ourselves. Really, we can't. We can we can trick our brains into thinking that we've closed a loop when it when we haven't. And so, when you think about most of the projects, most of the things that we work on, especially when you're in an entry level role, they can't be completed in a day. They are multi-day, week, month projects. And so, if you're thinking, "Anna, how am I going to like I'm not finishing this project for another two months. How can I trick myself into thinking that it's finished? During your workday shutdown routine, this is your time to assess any unread or unaddressed emails from the day. It's your time to review your to-do list and say, okay, what must be complete it, it, that is realistic for me to complete in the next 15, 30 minutes? And what is going to be moved to tomorrow? So you're making a conscious decision and you're essentially telling your brain, I am done. I am done. And tomorrow I will do this. Because when you finish your workday and you just get up from your desk and walk away, you haven't had that mental pep talk with yourself. You haven't had that conversation with yourself that I am done. Tomorrow I will do this. A shutdown routine can be very simple, as simple as, like I said, reviewing your calendar, reviewing your to-do list, reviewing emails, but then having a physical stopping point. Maybe that looks like closing all of your tabs, which I'm sure sounds very terrifying. Actually closing your laptop down. And those physical pieces of your routine will also send a signal to your brain that you're done. I always compare it to Mr. Rogers. Do you remember Mr. Rogers? Oh, yeah, so Mr. Rogers would, you remember he would come in from the neighborhood and he would take off his jacket and he would put on his cardigan and he would take off his outside shoes and he would put on his inside shoes. Right. All the while he's like chatting with the audience and he's moving from Mr. Rogers out in the neighborhood to Mr. Rogers at home. And so I would encourage you to think through What's my Mr. Rogers routine that is going to help me transition from work brain to not work brain? Because that's how you can really be present in the evenings while you have a lot going on at work.
0: Oh, my gosh. Such good stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I am i would imagine other people like me hanging out and listening to this potentially for the first time, this, this concept of that workday shutdown, especially many people in entry level roles, it's like. That clock hits five o'clock and I'm logging off of the phones. I'm shutting down my emails. Would you say for someone in an entry level role who is kind of that reactive in the sense that there's probably still a lot coming in and maybe for that overachiever who's like, oh, but there's still a couple more emails. Maybe I'll just stay logged on, especially in this work from home environment, you know, their leader may not see them staying on late physically. So what would you recommend in a situation like that for someone who's working to be better at kind of having some of those boundaries, but knowing there's still always work to do? Yeah, there is always
1: work to do. There will always be work that can be done. Parkinson's law states that work expands to fill the time available work can literally creep into every single minute of your day. Trust me, I know, I've let it happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, here's the funny thing about boundaries. You can't, you can't really touch a boundary. You can't like physically see a boundary, okay? And when we talk about how we want to set boundaries, we are not setting a physical boundary. We are not drawing a line in literal sand. Mm-hmm. And so you have to find a way to make that boundary more tangible. And the way that you make that boundary tangible is first by deciding, okay, what is my boundary? I, I, I say, I want to do better at ending my work on time. Okay, what time is that? Mm-hmm. What time is that? So it's making a decision. Okay, I, I really want to, even if you are in that reactive role. Because like I said, I've been there. I've been an executive assistant, a congressional scheduler. I've had two phones. That was a thing we used to do back in the day. We used to have a BlackBerry and an a BlackBerry. Seriously. <laughs> two phones, one for work, one for business. Maybe some of y'all have that now. I don't know. And it was just, it was all the time. And so it's deciding, okay, what does my shutoff look like? And shutoff is going to be different, especially if you are in a reactive role. What does my shutoff look like? Maybe you can't go off the grid at five. But what can you do? Can you Oh, and 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 like I was saying to make it something that is more tangible, actually put it in your calendar. Put something in your calendar that says end of day. Or if you don't want it to say end of day because you don't want your boss to see it, like give it some other kind of code word. Yeah. But but put it in your calendar so when you are looking at your calendar, you can very clearly see this commitment you've made to yourself. Because that's what it is. It is a commitment that you have made to yourself to end work, whatever that looks like for you, at a certain time. And if you cannot keep a commitment to yourself, what you know, wh- what what can you do? I mean, right. that's that's the w- the most important. Like being in integrity with yourself and sticking with that boundary. So first, put it on your calendar. Second, have that workday shutdown routine because that's what is going to set you up for that. And then third, if you are in a more reactive role, chances are you are going to need to be aware of emails that are coming in, aware of communication that are coming in. Instead of allowing your phone or your email to be like a leash or a just constant, something that is constantly vying for your attention, decide what checking in in off hours is going to look like for you. Mm. really decide it and write it down on a piece of paper. I don't care what paper it is. It could be the back of something. You can put it on a post-it and then throw it away. It doesn't matter. But when you actually decide and articulate and put it in words, you are going to be much more likely to stick to that. So here's what I mean. So let's say that you are in one of those rapid response roles. You're in crisis communication. Instead of constantly being on the lookout for a vibration on your phone, 6 to 6.30 is when you check in. 9 to 9.30 is when you check in. That way, instead of work expanding to fill all of your personal time, you are creating two specific fences for that work to live within. 6 to 6.30, 9 to 9.30. That way, if there is an emergency, and chances are, if there's an emergency, you're probably going to get a phone call anyway. Right. Most things are not true life or death emergencies. I mean, unless you do work in crisis communications and you're dealing with a hurricane or a flood. Yeah. But most things are not going to be life or death. So by giving yourself those two windows of time, 6 to 6.30, 9 to 9.30, whatever that looks like for you, you're being intentional. You are in control of checking versus letting your phone or your email control you. Who do you want to be in the driver's seat? because you're the only person who can be in the driver's seat of your career. And I know you're at your level and you're just getting started. But if you don't step into that mindset now, you're not going to have the opportunity to just switch it on later when you get a promotion.
0: Absolutely. And like you said before, and a huge part of my messaging is doing those things now. It's not waiting until you get to that next level or that next promotion. It's, it's training yourself to do these things now, showing that leadership, showing that growth potential. And I I love all of this advice because it's exactly preparing someone from a very early stage in their career to recognize, you know, I'm 15, 20 years into my career and I'm obviously getting so much out of this myself of things that I can tweak and I can change to have better control over my schedule. And it's such a relief to think of the things that people can do to, to make slight tweaks and changes to head in that right direction. So yeah. thank you so much for reviewing all of that for us as well. <laughs> what would you say are some myths or belief systems about time management that you would like to bust?
1: Oh, okay, I'll tell you one thing. My favorite is that time management does not begin on the pages of your calendar. Time management does not begin with your calendar. And you might be listening and thinking, wait, what? Then where does it begin? How does that make sense? Like it, it, if it's not my calendar, is it my to-do list? Also no. So the thing is, is that a lot of times when we are experiencing a period of overwhelm and we start to think, oh, it just needs to be better at time management. We go buy a new planner or we start asking people about what app they use. Oh, are you a Google Calendar? Or are you an Outlook? Are you, what do you use? What, do you use iCal? Um, Or if they're like, (laughs) oh, what, do you use Asana or Trello? Like we think it's all about the tools. We think that a new planner or switching from this project management system to that project management system is gonna change everything for us. We think that's gonna be the answer. I need the planner that Nicole uses because then I'm gonna, I'm gonna have it all figured out. Yeah. When in reality, your planner is not going to do the work for you. Your calendar is not going to prioritize your day. Your calendar just shows you what you've already, you know, what you've already decided. Your, your, your task management system is not going to align the tasks that you have on your list with when you are in the right frame of mind to do them. Your tools are not going to do the work for you. Instead, time management, good time management, starts with heart. It starts with getting crystal clear on what matters most to you. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening and you are in an entry level role, this is the, you, you are so lucky because you have so much just ahead of you. And if you really get crystal clear right now about what your vision for the future looks like, like what kind of career do you want to look back on when you're getting ready to retire? What do you want your LinkedIn profile to look like in 20 years? But even beyond that, when you're 80 years old and sitting in a rocking chair on your front porch, talking with your, your buddies or your spouse or your kids, what stories do you want to tell? Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell stories about hiking and climbing mountains and riding jet skis in Florida? Or do you want to just look back on a lot of work that you did and a lot of late nights and just going to a lot of meetings? Because I don't think that's what you want. Now is the time to really start crystallizing that vision. Because when you're clear on where you want to go, and it's okay, that's probably going to change for you off and on. My Mm. vision when I was congressional scheduler, 23 years old. I thought I wanted to live in Washington, D.C. for seven years and work my way up to becoming a chief of staff and move back to Louisiana and run for office and yada, yada, yada. My vision has clearly changed. But when you have a vision, you have a direction to move in. When you don't have a vision, you're just kind of wandering around like Alice in Wonderland. You remember how she ran into the Cheshire Cat and was like, hey, which way should I go? And the Cheshire Cat says, well, where are you going? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I don't know. And he says, well, then it doesn't matter which way you go. And that's what happens when we don't have a vision. We just kind of wander around and feel like we don't have any direction. And so when you have a clear vision, you're able to make decisions about how you want to spend your time so much easier. Maybe not how you want to necessarily spend your time in the next 30 minutes, but you're able to make decisions like, is this, do I want to leave my job? and find a different role. Is this the company that I want to grow in over the next few years? Is this the city that I want to live in? Like, is this the partner that I want to be with long-term? Because when you have that vision in mind, your short-term vision, your short-term decisions become so much easier because it's, does this align with my vision? Yes or no?
0: That's so good. I love that because when people are in these entry-level roles, and I went through it for a little while to myself of of starting to grow and progress. And I was kind of going with the flow of like, I don't know what I want to do. You know, I started, I was waitressing when I was first out of high school and thought like, maybe I'll try to become a manager of a restaurant, you know, kind of setting the bar real high for myself. And then I started working more in some call centers and thinking, you know, where do I want to grow? And then not finding call centers that I did kind of see a future with. So then it was, you know, swapping over to some different ones, seeing what company I kind of saw more of a future with, but still that wasn't really like big picture planning, like you're saying with that vision. I love that you're focusing on that for this message is that it's, it's thinking what that long term is going to look like. And it's it's not chasing positions. Nowhere in that did you mention like chasing the money because at the end, you know, when you're 80 years old and you're talking about sitting on that rocking chair on your front porch, it's it's not, that's not what's going to be most important. And I find that a lot of people struggle chasing the money, chasing that next level in their career growth, solely because they think that that is the way to success and when you're saying a vision is about you know what is it really that you want to do what what change do you want to make in the world the impact that you're looking for and how that relates back to everything that they're going to be doing within their career and starting now because same for me looking back I wish I would have thought bigger from then and thought and my change my life changes or my life decisions maybe would have been a little bit different because I would have been thinking more about what that future looks like versus just going with the flow until someone told me hey you might be a good leader here that's kind of what turned me on to leadership in the first place was like someone else being like, hey, you should maybe think about this. And then I started thinking about it. So I love the example of Alice in Wonderland that you need to have a path and direction mm-hmm. so that you know those things in your day-to-day. You don't reach that stage of burnout. You know how you want to manage your time in a day-to-day, week-by-week, week because at the end of the day or at the end of the week, at the end of your life, you want to have something to reflect back on that you love. Yeah. And
1: at the end of a role.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: if there's anything that we've learned over the past few years is that you can be very comfortable in your career very comfortable at your company and then suddenly you're impacted by layoffs or your position was absorbed and f- for whatever your your services no longer needed and when you tie so much of your identity to the job title that you have and your mission is the mission of the company and then suddenly you're not a part of that company anymore you mm-hmm. don't have that that job title on your business card anymore, you you have a you can have a little bit of an identity crisis. Okay, wait, who am I if I'm not XYZ position at XYZ company? So that's why it's so important to have a personal mission for your career rather than adopting whatever your company's mission is. Yes, go all in with your company's mission while you're there, mm-hmm. but have your own personal mission for your career. Because again, it's an extension of having a vision for the future. When you are faced with a decision about this role or this role, or you're trying to decide what's next after you've been impacted by layoffs, you're not starting from scratch.
0: You're going back to your personal mission for your career. Yes. And that can guide you in the right direction. I can't tell you how often you know, and it's happened to me being like needing a job in the moment. So you're kind of going after that next thing that's available and then recognizing how much that can actually set your life back Mm -hmm. when you're joining the wrong company in the sense of the mission or the vision or the values or the work style, recognizing that it's out of alignment, but taking it because you feel like you have to. And aspiration
1: move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can look back on missteps in my career, as I took that position out of desperation, it was not in alignment with my personal values. And then look what happened, you know? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And that's where we get some of that like job hopping and people, you know, transferring these different roles. And I've always been like, hey, if if it's not in alignment for you, you know, find something that is. So I love that this whole conversation, although focused around time management, is so much into that, you know, core, like you said, that heart system and making sure that like everything at the end of the day is, a, is your full self really yeah. is in alignment. So thank you so much for tying that all together.
1: That's always the surprise. Like, oh, I thought I bet you thought we were going to talk about color coding calendars and we're going to talk <laughs> about vision instead.
0: Yes, I love it because... You are you do it in such a great way of of saying it's not about the colors on the calendar. It's not about having that beautiful planner that, you know, we've all bought and wrote in and then did nothing with. Right. Or we wrote in it for the first (laughs) week. And then it's been, you know, collecting dust. Oh, that planner
1: didn't work for me.
0: Right. Yeah. And so let me try a new one or let me try this now tech app, right? Let me try this because it's on my phone. So now I'm going to be even better. (laughs) But if you're not in that alignment, you know, which I'm now realizing and you say it so eloquently is making sure that you're being that like proactive approach and recognizing that a calendar or any of these systems are there to essentially support what you're already planning and actively taking that action on. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Thank (laughs) you so much, Anna, for hanging out with me today. I have loved our conversation. Where can people get a hold of you? I'd love for you to obviously share more about your podcast (laughs) and anything else you'd like to share.
1: Yes. So I would be so thrilled if you tuned into It's About Time, my podcast about work, life, and balance with new episodes dropping every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're on Instagram, come find me. I'm Anna D. Kornick. I would love to be Instagram friends. And I'm so excited because this is the first time that I'm sharing that my forthcoming book is now available for pre-order on Amazon, uh, Time Management Essentials. And so if you're interested in taking a look at that, you can just
0: head over to anadcornickcom forward slash book. That's amazing. I'm so excited. I will link that in the show notes for people to easily access. Go support Anna. I know, I know anyone listening to this got value out of it. And so if you are craving more, head over and add her podcast to your library. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can easily click to follow her so you get future notifications of all of her episodes that come out as well. Thanks again, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. What a great episode today, right? Anna is so easy to chat with, so easy to listen to. I frequently go check out her podcast whenever I'm in need of some time management advice because Like I said at the beginning, time management has not always been a strong suit of mine. And talking through the different tips and tricks and really practical ways of easily implementing this for all of you who are in those entry-level roles, feeling like I am very reactive and I don't get the opportunity to plan more. I hope that even the workday shutdown routine is helpful for you to feel that disconnect from work. I hope it's also helpful for you if you're in a role where you do have 24 or 7 access to Slack or Teams or your email that's constantly going off. I would highly recommend adjusting your notifications so that you aren't getting notifications outside of working hours. And like Anna mentioned, set up specific times where you do check in if you feel like you want to do so. But what I've learned over time is that if you become quickly responsive to all of your emails at all hours of the day and night, people come to expect that of you instead of seeing it as a generosity that you're doing it on your own time, so to say. So think about that when you are thinking about responding to an email. I loved at a recent meetup I was at, I had a gal talking in this. Small group of women. And she mentioned, you know, sometimes I check my emails at night, but what I do is I delay that send until the morning. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. So if you have the capability of doing that to save it in your drafts or to be able to delay when it actually gets sent is such a great way to, again, have some of those boundaries that you're not replying right away. But if you have a moment to, construct the email, and then send it later. Again, better working for those boundaries going forward. I know I loved having Anna Dearman kornick on the podcast today. She is so much fun to talk to. I hope you go check out her podcast, It's About Time. She has great content over there that you can easily go back and binge if you love today's episode. All right, well, until next time, we'll see you later.